Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to our weekly update. We'll catch up with the very latest from Alan Road. Dan here with Michael and Moscow in a show that's brought to you with Levi Solicitors, who will offer you a 10% discount on your legal fees. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball to investigate that. Do you think, Michael? Investigate it. Yeah. What are you investigating? See what services they offer. You can satisfy your curiosity because I know. You talk about the big three, the wills, the probate, the conveyancing. Mm. Loads more on there, such as? Yeah, things for your business. Yeah. Things for you personally. Award winning? Award winning. All of it, probably. Mm-hmm. Certainly certain aspects of it have won awards. I don't know if, about all of it, but mm-hmm. if there were awards for all of it... It deserves that, It right? probably would win them. Is, yeah, levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball for something far more professional than Michael's delivery of that particular read. You shrugging? Not bothered? Not interested in helping Levi's? No, no, I'm... I'm I think I do a good job for them. Mm-hmm. I think I do a good job for those guys. Um, and if they need I, any, what I like is you've come in again and made it about you. And if they need any help with any of the legal stuff, I can probably lend a hand there too. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I, w- I will let them know. I also might not. Yeah. Just to reassure anyone who's thinking of using their services. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Moving into the weekly update. Then and the big news as well, former Leeds manager Terry Venables died. There was a minute's applause at Ellen Road on Wednesday, ahead of the Swansea game to pay tribute to him. Uh, not a huge impact at Ellen Road. A really difficult time for Leeds as the start of the decline was kind of, it was all unfolding there in the background, was it? And we saw little bits of it, none more so than the uh, the very famous eye roll and the the looks of the heavens as Peter Ridsdale leaned in on the desk to tell everybody that we'd sold Jonathan Woodgate from under uh, Terry Venable's nose. Yeah, I, I don't look back on it with the fondest of memories that time, but I do know from when we've spoken about this before and reading interviews, hearing interviews with former players, who said it was actually a dead good time behind the scenes, like they enjoyed his coaching and training and stuff like that. Olivier Decor, mm-hmm. in particular. Nigel Martin, big fan. Bezzies. Yeah, I think it's... Um, the football side, I think there were signs, particularly at the start of the season, when we beat Manchester City on the opening day and we had some good results and we were playing um, different formation and quite modern-looking that he was still a very good coach. I mean, we have the distinction of kind of, it was his last um, full-time lead management gig in football. And he was still pretty good at that part, but I think the problems he, well, the, the phrase he always used was that it didn't look like the brochure he had been shown, which was the absolute, the starting point that he would want to build a team about Rio Ferdinand. And then when he told Rio Ferdinand that, Rio Ferdinand was like, well, what about me signing for Man United though? Because I'm doing that. And then the the other side of that was that um, Rio was supposed to stay and then players like Olivier Decor, Lee Bowyer, Gary Kelly and then Robbie Keane, who in the end did go before he went in September to Spurs, 
were all supposed to be sold and they all ended up staying. So like the the beginnings of the, the him versus Olivier Decor thing was he was supposed to be in Italy and ended up being kept. So everything behind the scenes was not, I think, anything that um, Venables was prepared for. And looking back at that famous press conference when it all, that's kind of the moment when it all came, sort of came to a head in January when Woodgate was sold and the idea was that if we sold Robbie Fowler to Manchester City, we would keep Woodgate, but we ended up selling Robbie Fowler to Manchester City for probably, like we were almost paying them to take him away and then Woodgate was going as well. And it was the point where I think it was unavoidable problems. And looking back at the um, press conference, I wrote about it for the the blog that you can kind of, at the time, because it was broadcast on lunchtime on Sky Sports News, and I remember we left work to go and go in a bar and watch it, watching these unbelievable scenes. And the camera is on Ridsdale and Venable sitting side by side. And there was a way of looking at the time, like, these two wankers, they're taking us down. But then when you look at it again, knowing with more hindsight, and you watch Venables' body language throughout, um, but that wasn't the only time. He, I think he spent most of it rolling his eyes, gritting his teeth, grimacing, looking like, like he wanted to kill Ridsdale. He was kind of, I think, almost on our side a little bit. We could feel it's Ridsdale was very much the cornered person in that press conference. And it's only sort of with retrospect that you realise, I think Venables was learning about things probably not very long before we were learning about things. Mm. It, it did essentially mirror the fan experience of that time because we came out of the World Cup thinking, well, Rio Ferdinand might go here because he's been England's best player at the World Cup, but we're still going to have a really good team. We'll still probably be like Champions League-ish, UEFA Cup maybe, and then it just so very quickly unravelled. It was obvious yeah. It was obvious from quite early on that no one was staying, mm. or if they were staying, it's because we couldn't get rid of them. Yes. Hannibal's was a bit of a coup at the time because I was pleased at the time yeah yeah, and there was that thing of because David O'Leary had just been given the job because he was there essentially and he was caretaker um, after George Graham quit did really well with all the kids got the the feeling like something special was happening um, and when Martin O'Neill wouldn't come it was kind of like well obvious choice whereas this was the time it's like he had kind of that era had got us to the point where somebody like Terry Venables it sounds daft with his reputation and people kind of look at him in, in different ways the idea that we could attract Terry Venables. Yeah. Like when George Graham took over from Howard Wilkinson, he was the new owner's mates, but also he'd been out of football for 18 months after being found guilty of taking illegal payments for an agent. So it was essentially like, who's going to take a chance on George Graham? Excellent manager, like great track record at Arsenal, but a bit tainted. Whereas Venables was just kind of like, oh, we're, we're, we're shopping in a good supermarket here. And so it felt like it should have been, O'Leary took us as far as he could with the kind of, the bluster and the charisma and the letting the kids do what they want. Now we're getting, and this is kind of what a lot of the players said happened in training. Now we're getting a proper knowledgeable football manager with a great track record for Barcelona and England who should then take us to the next level and we'll win something. Didn't turn out that way. It didn't, did it? No, I remember that. It went a bit different. That's how I remember. Just speaking of George Graham, I think if there was a little bit of suspicion around Venables, well, like, yeah, I was the same thinking, oh, this is exciting. Former England manager, he's he's got a reputation. You know, he's, he's someone we've we've heard of. He's got profile. But in many ways, the profile worked against him to an extent, I think. Maybe if we look back at George Graham leaving us for Spurs because the, you know, the bright lights of London appealed to him more. And he can't, although George Graham is Scottish, he was very much synonymous with London and obviously Arsenal. 
And there was a little bit of that with Venables as well. He was kind of exotic, wasn't he? Because he was based in London. He's doing the travel programs. He'd been at Barcelona. And there was a sense that we'd kind of uh, pulled this sort of almost magnetic figure out of London and up north here into the provinces. And you wonder if maybe from a cultural point of view or, or a suspicion point of view, it never quite 100% married up because we were very much, I guess, cast in the identity of Howard Wilkinson, who's a Yorkshireman, who's quite a dour personality. And when you stack Venables up against uh, Wilkinson personality-wise, never mind you know, the footballing records, but the personality-wise, like oil and water, wasn't it, to I, an extent? I think so, if, it, if it had worked on the pitch, I think you get over that quite quickly. Yeah. It's like on, you could look at Bielsa arriving at Leeds and say, oh, this doesn't, in some ways, this doesn't look at all like it'll work. If, if Bielsa ends differently, you go back and look at that and say, oh, well, it was it was always going to be tough, you know, someone coming in, didn't even speak English, did I? You know, you, you kind of would yeah. retrospectively fit it, wouldn't you? Whereas, yeah, at the time, I, I just had nice memories of Venables from Euro 96, basically, and, yeah. and thought he might do well. He was the most cockney of cockneys, though. Yeah. And, he had, and I think that's why things turned against him quite quickly, because it was like, well, it's like, if this goes well, nobody will worry about it. But I think it shortened the amount of time he had before things went wrong. And he'd left. The reason he gave for leaving Middlesbrough was because it was too far from his media work in London. Mm. So there was always, there was this big starting point of like, well, he'll just be on the train down to London every week. How long is he actually going to spend here? And yeah, in terms of like a cultural fit, I think that inbuilt Yorkshire suspicion mm-hmm. of um, Cockneys with wheelbarrows <laughs> selling whatever they've got to sell. Because um, he's, the business side of him as well when he, he was banned from being a company director at that time because he'd been to the high court and kind of um, decided not to go through with the trials so yeah just ban me for the stuff he'd had at um, Spurs where he tried to buy Spurs Alan Sugar had bought it he'd gone in as Alan Sugar's chief executive while also managing the football mm-hmm. team so in a way there's um, there was sort of like an idea of him and Peter Ridsdale being a little bit too too similar in some ways like the, the phrase I used in the blog post I wrote about Venables was that you can't kill a kid for long. Venables kind of, Ridsdale, sorry, Ridsdale still wanted Martin O'Neill, but Martin O'Neill wanted to stay at Celtic for the last year of his contract. So everyone's like, go talk to, to Terry Venables. So he went and talked to Terry Venables, didn't really want him, but got charmed and then charmed him back, sold Venables, all this stuff. It's a great club. Um, the academy's amazing. The club will be brilliant. Rio Ferdinand, yeah, build a team around him. We've got to sell these other people. You have money to spend um, and got him in. So he kind of, sold to Venables in the way that Venables would sell himself to you. So you've got two people kind of charming each other into a situation that I don't think either particularly was um, into. Um, and there was a break, he was given a two-year contract, but there was um, there was a break clause after one because I think Ridsdale was kind of like, oh, if Martin O'Neill wants it in a year, then I can get rid of this cotton again and he'll come in. But then I think um, Ridsdale might have been able to do that with somebody else, but when he had, when you look at that press conference, um, when he's talking about Woodgate leaving, uh, Venables is not just some starry-eyed uh, football coach. He's not Dave Ockaday, you know. He's not Steve Evans, who will do everything that Massimo Cellino said. And it's like, yeah, Sam Byram's tearing this club, club apart. He's been a chief executive. He's, he's worked overseas. He's um, he's been he's managed at every level. He's run businesses of all kinds. Run them badly. Um, and illegally in some cases. And so you as Peter Ridsdale are not going to be able to tell Terry Venables anything that he can't deal with. And so there was all, there was like a, um, it turned into who is kind of holding the, the, the cards here and some of the, the bits in that press conference, which we did a whole extra ball about that press conference, watching it back, I'm sure. And mm-hmm. it was, um, 
the bits where Venables is being asked, would you would you demand um, Peter Ridsdale's resignation to stay here? And he's like, would I demand it? No. And there's just a, there's a real power play. And there's almost there's a scenario in which he does demand that. And Terry Venables takes over as chief executive and he runs the club because he had the ability to do that, which um, I think up until that time, Ridsdale had kind of been used to being the most, like the operator in most scenarios. And part of what um, led to Leeds United's downfall at the time was Peter Ridsdale getting in over his head with people who had more experience than he did. And it was pretty probably pretty easy for Venables in the end. He got sacked, didn't matter. Whereas Peter Ridsdale um, had more at stake. Um, but yeah, I think the, the thing I said in the end of this blog was that if um, Venables and a Leeds fan, if you imagine us ever sitting down for a pint with him and going, what was Leeds all about? We'd probably say pretty much the same things. I think there would be um, probably some sympathy between his experiences and our experiences that at the time it was pretty poisonous with Venables, like the chance for him to go, but the passage of time and learning more and seeing what happened since. And, you know, the goldfish weren't even known about at that time and all the kind of the, the true extent of the rock behind the scenes. Um, I think you would probably now sit down with him and say like mutual agreement that that was all, it was all just a bad idea, really. Mm. I like you, Michael. Euro 96 is what this made me think of. I spent a lot of time on, on Sunday because we played on the Friday night. I mentioned on one of the other shows, played on the Friday night. So kind of game was out of my system by Saturday and then this news arrived on Sunday morning. So I just kind of spent a lot of time just sort of mooching about on Sunday thinking about Euro 96 because I turned 18 in May 96. So that summer, the tournament was spent first time legally properly in pubs watching just... But it was great, wasn't it? Because it was at the height of Britpop as well. Mm-hmm. So you had this whole cultural movement happening here. Um, you know, political change in the air, all that kind of stuff. It was just a, it was a really good time, I remember. And it obviously, it always feels like a good time when you're looking back on being 18 years old and your you sort of formative experiences. But it was brilliant. I remember sort of finishing my A-levels and finishing sixth form and me and my mate James, after school, kind of kicked out, um, just going and playing pool most afternoons in the pub. And then about a month or so later, Euro 96 starts and it was a real sea change moment for English football, wasn't it? And obviously England doing well in the tournament mm. helped everybody. But yeah, proper proper halcyon days, salad day stuff when I look back on it and I was, I was getting quite like misty-eyed about the whole experience. It was my first tournament I fully remember as well because I'm, I'm a bit younger than you, I'm 39 now, so I, but I'd obviously had a very, very vague memory of Italia 90 and then Euro 92 passed me by because England didn't do very well. But then 94, England weren't there. So it was kind of big Jack's Island. This was my first England tournament, really, of properly following it and watching all the games and getting into it. And England at that time, I'd probably fair to say, meant a lot more to me than they do now. Mm-hmm. Like, I was absolutely devastated when we lost that semi final yeah. at the time. I went and had a little cry in the garden. <laughs> um, I was a child. Well, Come that, on. that was the Come night. Some slack. That was the night of my sixth form. It wasn't a prom so much as like it was like a leaving party where they gave out awards at the end of the year, but it was the goodbye party before we all went mm-hmm. our separate ways and went off to like university or into work or whatever it was. And they were trying to hold this party and um, do announcements and give out these prizes and awards and stuff. And at that time, we were back at, you know, the old-fashioned little square tellies. Mm. And I remember it was in the in the Queen's Hotel in Bradford and there were two tellies over by the bar. So there was a stage at one end where they were trying to do everything, but everybody was just clustered around the bar over at the far end of the room with these, one t- these two tellies in these two corners at the opposite end of the room. Nobody paid any heed to what was going on behind. And, um, and it'll and, have been like a 20-inch telly as well. Yeah, that's it. So we were all, yeah, all kind of squinting trying to see what was going on, but we all got so wrapped up in that. And then I remember um, later on that night when England failed to get through, you know, usual sad story in, uh, in extra time and penalties and all that, we all mooched into a nightclub and sort of said our final farewell. So again, it was a very, very 
prominent night mm. in my sort of growing up formative experiences that when I, I can still remember it to this day. Yeah, less less um, memorable experiences of his Leeds time, I have to say. It was mainly just a feeling of watching a football club drop to pieces. Yeah. Was the... Uh, was that? But I mean, is it, is it any wonder we're damaged? I know, I know. I think it's, it's a little bit. I did actually feel quite sad about this at the yeah. time. I just, I think maybe it's. Is, know, it a, is it a lost youth thing as well? Maybe partly. And I know, I know, Billy Bremner died while I was a Leeds fan and alive, but I never saw him. I never saw him manage Leeds, so it was kind of. I've never seen the Leeds manager I remember die either. So it's kind of it's a strange. Yeah, it's a strange thing. One of the first things you you um first time you experience it, I suppose. Yeah, as you start to get older and yeah, yeah you, you lose these characters from your childhood yeah no absolutely no it was um, yeah it made me feel strange that one on Sunday thinking about it absolutely but uh, all I know is that I tie the thought of Terry Venables far more to Euro 96 than I do to his experience at Leeds and he was part of you know it, it made me feel connected to something with the England mm. team I think that year and yeah, like you say it's a connection that I don't share now I, I kind of keep it at arm's length just for my own well-being probably <laughs> to be perfectly honest but I'm able to keep that at arm's length but he made me feel connected to that and he's very much part of that central to it. So, um, so yeah, I'll, um, I'll, 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 I'll not miss him cause he's not, you know, part of my life, but I'll, I'll, you know, I like thinking about that memory. It was a nice time in my life. Yeah. And we'll, um, we'll get to see the clips every time England drop out of a major tournament, which is nice. We'll always get to see him hugging Gareth Southgate, won't we? Maybe it'll be Gareth Southgate from that moment to lifting the world cup. Maybe. maybe. Doing it for Terry. <laughs> um, moving on to the other news then. We have Brendan Aronson and Rasmus Christensen heading back to West Yorkshire earlier than we expected, but for non-footballing reasons. There, there have been so many obvious slam dunk jokes that are all very good, by the way, for getting more points um, while driving than they got on the pitch last season, maybe? Something like that. Something along those lines. Yeah, but, but they're both back in court, aren't they? The pair of them for driving offences, be it speeding or... Um, what did Aronson do? It was, and Aronson's ones are a bit more interesting because Rasmus seems like a straightforward speeding. I dare say he wasn't paying attention to the traffic signs. You can kind of see how these things would have occurred. Although it does say disqualification will be considered just for a speeding offence. It must have been going. If you go over 100, I think you can get. Is it, it's to do with the extent to which you break the actual posted limit, isn't it? Mm, right. Yeah. So the A6040, if anybody wants to let us know if you could. What's the a reasonable. Um, I mean, it, I'd hope he wasn't doing it. <laughs> From uh, my brief view of Google Maps, I suppose it depends where we're on it. But any under any circumstances, let's just all agree that we should not drive at um, over 100 miles an hour on British roads. <laughs> and Aronson was, he's two offences. That's quite a lot. Be, Do you think he's going down? He also might be disqualified. Um, Come very on. Good. Very good. Thank yes, you. Yes. Um, so the first one seems fairly benign it's just for exceeding 30 miles an hour but the second is for failing to give information relating to the identification of a driver I think he's got confused with his driving licenses or is, is he still got his fake college ID for buying beer as a 20 year old or was someone else he knew driving the car and he's failed to dob them in what I think is we probably shouldn't speculate <laughs> I'm sure Levi solicitors I'll be on the bat phone now I saying... never betray you Milana <laughs> I'm sure she wasn't driving Brendan fill in your paperwork for Christ's sake yeah, you fool. Although I, I dare say, if he's banned from driving in England, it's probably not going to be a major issue for him. Mm. Ban him for two years, three years, not going to make any difference, is it? Yeah, but you'd have to. Yeah, do they? Yeah, I'll be quiet. <laughs> I don't know enough. Just you just hire a driver if you're a footballer, wouldn't you? Yeah, you probably would. 
I probably would if I had enough money I'd play a high one anyway I wouldn't have to be a footballer to do it and I think the chances of being a footballer are probably diminishing that ship has sailed do you reckon do you think yeah, yeah maybe, so. maybe so commiserations to the Leeds women who've uh, kept up a fine Leeds United FA Cup tradition and gone out to a shit team penalties at Darwin FC Darwin being a, a corner of Blackburn basically yeah I think a shit team is possibly harsh <laughs> They might take issue well, with that. Well, went out to Arsenal last year. Yeah, the charitable way. Or the I mean, more... that's not a proper football team, Darwin. They they were the the lowest um, ranked team still left in the competition. So this was like legitimate um, giant killing. Um, on penalties, it was a 1-1 draw after extra time. Yeah, there's um, there is a very good save from the Darwin goalkeeper on one of the Leeds penalties. And then, um, unfortunately, it was a friend of the, the podcast... Smart put the the decisive one over the bar, so that was the end of it. But the, one of the big problems for um, Leeds United women last year was too many cups. Um, and so, although playing Arsenal was nice and winning the plate was also great, is it the plate? It is the, it the plate that you go into when you go out of the cup, or is that the trophy? I lose track this of is it. separate. So this was the right. FA Cup. So right. when you're out the FA Cup, you're out. Yeah. Um, there was also there is the trophy that becomes a plate depending on which way round you go, but I'm pretty sure they're just out of that now. Schrodinger's trophy. Yeah. And um, But the, the problem with the fixtures at the level that Leeds play at is that if there is cup games take priority and if they get called off, they get scheduled in place of league fixtures, which get bumped down. Because ah, so, they ended up with like about 12 games in hand or something stupid last season. Exactly. Yeah. So there's, there are some benefits to um, not being in it and just concentrating on the league, which is and really well, that, that the, is the, the, the finest league United thing. tradition, isn't it? Like, so yep. we, we're not going to be in that. We're just going to concentrate on the league and then finish mid table. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> in a, way to do it in a way, it's perfect because they uh, won the plate last year, which was the first silverware that they won for a long time. So it's good to kind of get that ticked off and sort of get some uh, prove some winning uh, track record, get that back, and then now uh, just get knocked out. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. I'm, I'm enjoying um, charting the journey. Um, speaking of journeys, is, is this your cynicism on our prep sheet here, Michael? What, which bit? Under the caption, injuries. As we are trying to get promoted back to the Premier League, are we clear of injuries? Is that your question? Yeah, well, uh, we seem to be, well, don't we? Well, you've put underneath it who managed to break themselves last night. Well, we don't know yet, do we? Right. I'm waiting for Farker's press conference where he goes, yes, um, Sam Byram, unfortunately, did pick up a his legs. His legs have fallen off. Um, yeah. Somerville's shoulder dislocated as he left the pitch that sort of stuff I think Jorginho Rutter got booted in the bollocks at one point that I, did, did look I, painful, did no, yeah. I did notice him cupping himself for quite, yeah. quite a long period <laughs> my dad at that point he said uh, he went oh he's he's, um, he's limping I said yeah he's just been whacked in the balls that's why he's limping an, an abdominal injury yeah and then Strauk I think it was well it was cramp because they gave him he started uh, stretching out his hamstrings and stuff and the referee did go to see if he was okay he seemed very concerned but he went and had one of those um, kind of mustard shots that they give to. They went. Um, the subject went viral earlier in the year because um, there was footage of some players in the National Women's Soccer League in the USA taking them and one and visibly trying to puke them straight back up. They kind of, they are horrible. And um, I, I wasn't close enough to Strauch to see his uh, facial expression, but he immediately spat it all out mm. and then tried carrying on. It's supposed to. I think the effect of them is like a real weird mix of like mustard powder, chili. Turmeric's always in these stuff. Yeah. yeah. And the idea is that it is supposed to produce this kind of vomit reaction in you that kind of shocks your muscles back into life. I think that's it's how it interesting. Not it, a doctor. You have 20 pints of lager to do that, don't you? It, it's 
takes all the life out of the <laughs> experience. He, he, strong stomach reaction. I cannot work because we're going down to the awards, the FSA awards on Monday next week. So it's going to be a slightly tweaked recording schedule, mm. isn't, isn't it? As a result of that. But we will do the recording with Phil on Monday morning before that. And then we're going to get a train down to London and presumably make fools of ourselves. And uh, what time do you reckon you'll vomit? Are you going to save it for getting back to the Premier Inn? Hopefully. Yeah. I hope I'll make it back because mm-hmm. it's undignified doing it on a street when you're a middle-aged man. <laughs> we could, I mean, we could do it. We could do a sweepstake, maybe. Uh, I might. I, I mean, I might, you never know. I might just might just be sensible. Mm-hmm. It's an option. Just stick to it. Moscow cowardly not, not coming down because he's decided he is too old. I have another observation from last night, apart from Strout being sick. Do you want to hear it? Mm, it's yeah. a bit of a subject swerve. Um, but kind of related. It, I'm not saying that hearing about booze reminded me of this, but who was part of Swansea's backroom staff that was on the gantry? Oh, Bell's knocking about somewhere. There, there it is. Yeah. Um, last night with their analytics team. I only recognised him. At, I, I thought, I sort of, I'm like, I think this guy's someone. And then Googled it at half time. A boozer. Like, ah. Well, no, let's not, let's not do <laughs> let's that. Not, let's not associate with booze. Why um, did booze make you think of it? Um, because it's maybe. It was an era of Leeds United. Matthew Jones. No, I think Jones is like the clean living. I know, but he was around at that time. He, yeah, and he, he's Welsh. He was it's doing, more recent than that. I was going to say he was doing co-commentary on the day that Pablo scored, wasn't yes, he? Yes, he was. For the goal, a goal, a goal. Yeah. Lee Trundle was knocking around on some commentary. Um, mm-hmm. Andy you'll be, Robinson. You'll be closer if you think about who was doing Radio Leeds' co-commentary last night. It was Bradley Johnson. So that's the era you're looking at. Parity era. Yeah. Maybe a little bit earlier. And links to Swansea? I don't think so. Maybe links to Michael Duff. Right. It's probably how he's ended up there. You're going to have to tell us. I think we're struggling here. Yeah. Okay. She's dog. Ah. ah. Big Alan Sheehan was up there getting quite... Um, I, I don't think I'm giving too many secrets away if at one point there was uh, an expression of dismay um, by a manoeuvre carried out by um, a certain Matthew Grimes. Mm. I think, fucking hell Grimesy, I think was the thing that was generally... Um, they were quite, uh, yeah, they were a funny little crew because they were set up as two guys on laptops and then um, She's Dog is further down the gantry with a radio communicating with the bench and he would kind of come over and they would all, I was too far away to really hear what they were saying apart from that's why they I heard the Grimesy thing because it was loud enough and they kind of jabbed the screen of the laptop and, blah, 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 and then he'd go away and you kind of, you could hear him, it was like the um, the teachers from Pins going down to the, the bench so that Mickey Duff would have his messages and then uh, and then who is it um, Matt Grimes' mum is just underneath catches wind of this <laughs> what are you saying about my lad what are you saying about my lad um, but he spent the second half down in the dugout uh, she's, he was standing to the side of it why which is he, was probably why is he, why for is the best. she's dog was there a, an that's old... his twitter name which she's dog ah, three that was it. I knew there was some reason for it yeah and it always because those were the early days when very few players were on mm. twitter and it was kind of a novelty so when somebody stole Lloyd Sam's uh, phone and put some um, moderately obscene messages out in his name. It was kind of, it was quite twee and it was quite nice. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, isn't this funny, this this medium? Whereas now, yeah, you're just hoping whenever a footballer tweets that it's not going to be some kind of horrendous um, statement of um, horror. Um, but She's Dog was kind of a good early. Um, I'm, sur- I'm surprised you didn't user. know that, given that your handle's uh, sexy underscore uh, boy underscore 69. That's, that's my email. You're confusing the two. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. The courtroom is in session. The TSB jury has been assembled. We are here to award heroes and villains of the week, obviously with the able assistance of Levi solicitors who do wills, probate, conveyancing, commercial business services, awarding heroes litigation. and villains. Litigation on heroes and villains. So it's, uh, yeah, Dan Michael and Moscow here to give out those awards. First, we'll do the Ken Bates Villain of the Week Award, where we will actually ask each of you, rather, to step up to the legal Oki and deliver some testimony about who you believe should be the Villain of the Week. We'll debate the merits of it and we'll award one shortly. Um, and of course, we can, you know, we can take some swings at people, some some cheap shots, assign some petty grievances to the file as well. So um, who wants to go first? Any strong opinions? What are the options? I don't know. Who would you think? Who would you hate? I think hate's a strong word, but I'm going to have to go with pelts. He started the game straight in on Jorginho Rutter. There was a tackle there I didn't like on somebody who was just fresh back from um, an a, apparent abdominal abdominal stomach injury and he's, he's a nice young man as well and doesn't deserve that sort of rough house treatment yeah and then the the business with Dan James's shins was just a step too far I think you shouldn't be doing that Dan, Dan James is as little scum bastards go the finest one of the nicest um, we can also I suppose it's um, I'm veering off into other um, areas now but the Swansea fans booing him I did not care for that I see. I could barely hear the Swansea fans all day, and it's a shame because they were doing some good songs. Apparently, mm-hmm. no, no, they weren't doing good songs. They were singing actually Yannick um, Balassi, Yannick Balassi over and over again, which I ended up um, was haunting me. Yes, yeah, same. I said that last, like on the match ball. I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my head. I was dreaming about it. I was kind of surprised because they were singing. You know, the whole point of us singing um, "Leads Are Falling Apart" again is kind of drenched in irony. It felt weird to hear a team singing "Swans." will tear you apart again. But like with no irony, just thinking of like, yeah, we're a really good team. So a, gonna... a swan could probably tear you apart, at least but, your arm, because yeah. they are vicious little fuckers. Um, so that was one... That they, 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 it's right, isn't me. it? They all belong to, is it that used to be the queen, obviously, she's passed away, but it's now the king. So they're all the king swans, royal swans. No inheritance tax on them swans either. Is there not? I would have liked to see the levy yeah. applied. But um, there was also... Oh, big, I was going to say, Charlie needs to just rein his swans in, because they are, they are violent if you, if you confront them. And... Just remember, if you do encounter one, maybe on a canal towpath, it's important that you stay big mm. to intimidate them. That big, was your plan. Big frame, yeah. Or fairly not run away. I think as well they were singing, you're just a shit man United, which didn't really make any sense to me. Not, I don't know how we would, I mean, Man United just shit themselves. So I don't mm. know what the whole comparison was. I don't know if it was to do with maybe because Dan James, because 
The South Stand replied with a bit of um, uh, Dan James left because you're shit. And I thought, I was like, well, he didn't come here, did he? He <laughs> tried. No, he, tried. He, he, want, tried. He, wanted, he wanted to. He was, he de- he was denied to. by some naughty yeah, men with phones. Yeah. But none of this is um, throwing Lee Peltier down a well, which is what we were supposed to be doing. Adam Bowes um, did say that I didn't hate him at Leeds, which is surprising because um, I think people got sick of his constant emails begging us to buy tickets. Um, but I hate him now for trying to break our little scumbastard. Also, he has a face that constantly looks confused on the verge of tears. Not even Walt Disney could imagine such a face. Although, little scumbastard himself, Dan James, does have a face that also looks confused all the time. You wait till, yeah, wait, till, wait till he does something that maybe, obviously if he scores, he runs away cheering or whatever, and that's great. But if he does something else that doesn't result in a goal, or he goes out of play or whatever, he always looks really confused. I like photos of him pointing. Hmm. He always seems to get lumbered with like shirt pictures and he's always pointing at the camera. Seems to be his, his favourite thing to do. I don't know if he's just following instructions. Your football club needs you kind of thing. Doing one of them. Yeah. Doing one of them. I was... Do you disagree? Well... Because you're wrong if you do. I was going to blame... We've got to be aggressive in this. Yeah, yeah. We've got to shout yeah, at that's each true. other. I was going to blame Oliver Langford for failing to referee the game properly and just give us a penalty and send off Bonnie's, Bonnie's lad. Yeah, I'm going to take your joke away. Moscow, I can see you thinking about it. God, he's always thinking about TSB, if you want to if we want to really sell memberships to this thing TSB plus members in the daily email last week got uh, links to uh, the trailer for um, the 1978 Wombles film starring Bonnie Langford <laughs> and Francis de la Tour could you explain Wombles and Bonnie Langford in a couple of sentences to people let's say who live in either Australia or maybe the United States Bonnie Langford you can do you can do 10 minutes on Francis de la Tour as well if you want <laughs> Bonnie Langford, a uh, child actress, Ginger, was in Doctor Who for a bit and um, attempted a pop career, sort of Kylie times, is concurrently be seen or recently be seen doing those dancing um, on the stars thing. Wombles, um, environmental campaigners. The Wombling <laughs> film actually is all about some mo- some people want to build a motorway through Wimbledon Common, which is where they all live. And the, the messages are that you've got to look after the environment they are they are litter pickers, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, they care for the, the environment and the messages. And they are, they are obviously, Wombles. Well, yeah, so they are um, creatures who... They live underground, don't they? Underground, overground, wombling-free. Yeah. And they're sort of very tall in the film. Anyway, it's a live-action movie. Very hairy. It's like if you imagine sentient... Well, I suppose they're all sentient, but kind of human moles. Yeah, anthropomorphic moles. Yeah. And yeah. then who was that? Francis de la Tour, Leonard Rossiter's love interest in, in Rising Damp. Um, he, he was a Leeds fan, of course. Um, Rigsby, yeah, lamenting the And filmed defeat. in Leeds, I think. Yeah, it's a Yorkshire TV yeah. production. Absolutely ludicrous putting a motorway through Wimbledon Common. Yeah, there's no... It's looking at like the get a- from Merton to... Yeah, the A3 just skirts Merton. around the edge of it, so you can just you could just use that. I mean, cutting off the one corner by yeah. de- decimating a nice green area seems... And if, if Rasmus Christensen's in town, he could get some right speed up, even if it is a short stretch of road. But so I think that covers everything that everybody needs to know. And yes, so the referee of the Rotherham game, Bonnie Langford's son, Oliver. Not necessarily related in any way whatsoever. I mean, this is the TSB jury and this is our makeshift courtroom. My gavel is there on the table, by the way. Surely we should be dealing with the, the driving offences of our erstwhile players. Should they believe that for the courts? Mm. The actual maybe if it's live yeah. court action, maybe better left. Should we... can, you have, can you have contempt of court for like a driving offence? It doesn't seem worth it, does it? I think you should be able. To, I think we should be able to speculate. Are cri- is it a criminal offence or a civil offence? Probably. Let's not go into this. Are we, are Unfortunately, we... because I'm such a careful and safe driver, I've no experience of such matters. Mm. Mm. 
That's true. I've had to do a speed awareness course. Yeah. Yeah. My wife did one um, recently. Yeah. But, you know, it was fine. Yeah. It was fine. I didn't have to, didn't have to go call for that. I was also going to nominate the ref from last night just because I didn't think he was very good. But then I've just read about him and he's, oh, I've been a fireman. I've done some, I've saved some lives. Oh, yeah. brilliant. Well done. What do you want, a medal? You want, well, well, you've got some. So why, right. don't you, why don't you undo that rather than ruining football matches? <laughs> what didn't you like about him last night? I just felt like he guessed most things. Yeah. He didn't make anything, any major mistakes. It just felt like there were several so you did, points you did, where... You did your job to a competent level, didn't make any major mistakes, but I still don't like it. That's because there were no major mistakes to make, really. Mm. There weren't any big calls. I just felt like he was... There were a few things that happened. He was like, uh, probably. And he gave them a corner, which I'm pretty sure didn't take a touch of anyone. It was it was like path of least resistance all the way through. Mm. I think he wanted to keep the game flowing. So he wasn't too... There were bits where he gave a few little fouls, but he was kind of generally... Kept his cards away, didn't he? Like, wasn't he? Wasn't dishing them out. And I think that's the thing is you kind of he didn't really do much, and then you like the stuff that he and that kind of gave the impression that he was not really necessarily paying the closest attention or making the most forthright decisions about what was going on. Yeah, I mean, he got he got two point three two on the the scores are still coming in from last night, but he was two point three two, which in a game we won comfortably is a very low score. <laughs> a lot of people did pick him out for attention, and I didn't think he was that bad. I mean, it wasn't wasn't great, but then they're not going to be great at this level, are they? They're not even great at Premier League level. And he's got probably got like Becky Grimes on his socials as well, yeah, pouring poison in his ear. You know, criticizing him. Oh, he didn't give my lad his decision here, and yeah. he, he sho- you said he'd shoved me, but he never, he mm. wouldn't do that. He's a good lad. Do you think All he was any good last night? No shit. He's a shit footballer. Mm-hmm. Should have mentioned. Should have had Grimes nominated actually. Yeah, just for his Do Grimes. Are you playing for Leeds United? You can change your mind if you want. He was worse than Pelts, wasn't he? Playing for Leeds. I was a play- well, I was, yeah, I was, I was wondering about this because he never actually, he was a bit anonymous at Leeds, that's the thing. He didn't play very often, which bearing in mind he was like Gary Monk's mate was told its own story that even Gary Monk couldn't shoehorn him into the team until he got to the FA Cup match where he made room for the Mackay twins. But when he did play, he was pretty bad, but not kind of obnoxious. It didn't, Matt Grimes didn't stop us doing anything that season that we were otherwise going to do. So you couldn't really have like any kind of anger about him. But he was just basically on the full-time whistle of the last game. When I think, did he play in the last game? Because it was like meaningless and I think he may have got an appearance. And that's when his mum popped up on Facebook saying, oh, so good to get Matthew out of there. They've been terrible to him up there, but we're the one, we'll... The last laugh will be our holiday in Dubai that they've we're going on with their money. <laughs> And it was all like, and there was a kind of, I think part of the reason it sticks in the mind is all like, yeah, we we didn't like him, but we didn't hate him. Mm. I mean, no, no, I think people, I, were, people I, I were, were proper bastards about it. I, I kind of did hate him, actually. Yeah. Um, well, then I, it must have been directed at you. <laughs> I think, fair enough. just going back to Pelts, my favourite appearance that I think he made for Leeds would have been, if I've got the dates right, I've just Googled the match. It was the League Cup second round, back end of August 2012. And we played Oxford, we beat them 3-0. Um, and Lee Peltier came on Right towards the end, Neil Warnock decided to substitute on yeah. Lee Peltier for whatever reason. You know, just felt like he might you know, add something to the game or add something. And that's my favourite appearances uh, of his. Yeah. Did you enjoy that one? Not probably as much as Neil did. Mm-hmm. He, like, oh, he likes to see his boys performing well, doesn't he? But yeah, and, it was good. 3-0, that's good. That's good good to see him get on the pitch. Yeah, with the with the game one. So, um, yeah, tough one. Um, well, before we make a decision on those two, any petty grievances or cheap shots you want to uh, you add? I mean, there is Mrs. Grimes is mentioned... Mm. Um, do we know if she's a missus or a miz? Uh, I don't know, actually. Ma. Ma Grimes. 
Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah. But uh, there's, a, there's a cheap shot here for our fans. Why don't we have a song yet for Dan James? It's true. It feels like it does said before, one. he needs more syllables in his name. Three syllable names work best for songs. But he's what, Dan James. One Dan James would work, wouldn't it? It's pretty lazy, but, but the more complicated things get the worse. Yeah, he's the Welsh wizard and he runs down the ring, wing and his crosses are good and when he gets to the corner flag, he's He makes really everyone good. sing. Yeah, it's like, fuck all that. He actually put in... Daniel James does have three, though, technically. A couple of crosses last night that didn't come to much, but some of them, um, I think he's actually... I think he's been working on it. Um, oh, we were saying last night on the match ball, he's been coached. Mm. Yeah, which is good. He's, he's running down the edges of the pitch as well, which wouldn't have... Well, that's what... That wouldn't have gone Why well is he, he doing that year? when the goal's in the middle? Well, well, exactly. So that's why he was probably... Just talking about Swansea links, their commentators get a mention as well. Pay mm. grievance, we're thinking? Um, yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, I didn't hear them, so I don't feel fully qualified to, to comment. But yeah, lots of people said they were terrible. Mm-hmm. Saying Lee Trundle was involved. Yeah. There is, they, I mean, we're jumping ahead here, but they, they do actually get um, a hero nomination as well to the, to the Swansea commentary people right. so um, for um, in, someone says uh, people are putting longer and longer names on these Byram just good ain't he says um, Swansea commentary team enjoying their new approach to commentary rather than saying who is on the ball just pick a name out the hat and go with it <laughs> <laughs> I do like that that's just good. good I feel like I feel that this is pelt I think you were too indecisive Michael about the two referees um, Bonnie Langford's lad and the bloke from last night mm-hmm. who's now uh, and now I know Bonnie Langford's done um, good environmental work yeah with the Wombles. By stopping that motorway, I think, fair enough. With the Wombles. Well, I don't know if they did stop it. I mean, if anybody is planning to watch the now, film. The... It's not real life. What? It's a, it wasn't a documentary. Well, the Wombles are real. Well, yeah, but this was... they. they What's were, he on about? They were performing. Right. They were telling a What's fictional this, this story. Is, this is dangerous talk. No, no, the Wombles are real, but the they were yeah. telling a fictional story right. okay. about um, whether or not... So in the story, there might be a, a motorway. Just if anybody wants to watch that film... At some point, we don't want to give away the ending. Spoiler alert. Did you take the opportunity to use any Gruev Uncle Bulgaria jokes? No. Yeah, missed opportunity. Yeah, I feel like you could have done that. Yeah. Who's, who? Who? Groove. Who is this? Is he footballer? <laughs> That's the one. I saw him. Uh, was he on the... He was on the bench last night. He wasn't... Was he on... Yes, he was. Probably. He went, and, <laughs> he went and warmed up and I had one of those moments where it's like, who's that? And then, oh, oh yeah, 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 forget yeah. about him. Um, right then, yeah, Bless so him. it's, it's going to be pelts, isn't it, for the email pesting and the, the kicking of Dan James. On to the um, Gitano Barati Hero of the Week awards. We will factor in the scores, I think, when we come to our decision here over the last couple of games. Somerville, miles ahead with the Rotherham game, 7.53 out of 10. Um, your closest competitor there was Ampadu, just behind him at 6.25. On to the Swansea game, Ruta came out with player of the match uh, ahead of Somerville. And Piro and Dan James, all of whom scored above eight, which is pretty, uh, pretty funky, isn't it? Everyone doing all right in that game. Again, the subs tend to not score very well. Seems to be the the theme this year. I've realised I've got my expired. I've just wiggled my toes. I've got my expired foot warmers still in my trainers from last <laughs> night. Just realised not doing a job anymore. No, I God, think God, it was cold last night. It is Somerville because he's been really good across both of these games. Currently leading our Player of the Year charge as well. He Am- is knocked Tampa into second place. He is and um, as. Someone says whose name I can no longer see. Just says um, <laughs> he's just played brilliantly every game. It's Dickie Wood, Dickie Wood, which he is. He's just he's just very become very consistent from yeah. someone who last year was had moments of being brilliant. Now he's just consistently a complete menace. Mm. So 
him, I would say. Little scum bastard probably comes close from mm. for me as well. well are you take, are you t- trying to take two? Or? No, no, no. Just, just greedy. Just, just throwing his name We're in there. One, too. one hero of the week. You can issue formal commendations as well. Don't forget they're okay. they're available to us or doffs of the cap. But I think across the week, Somerville has done more than enough. Well, that right. puts me in the awkward position of having to because the candidates that have been picked out leaves me with Ethan Ampadu who I've thought over the last couple of games but have been slightly off it. <laughs> uh, Wisconsin Todd said he's like a human Nintendo reset button that the minute the, minute the ball comes out of attack there he is holding our shit down. Um, but, but that was that was sent in the wake of Rotherham rather than... Yes, yeah. when he'd um, headed the ball to their um, mm. striker mm. for a, um, a chance that nearly cost us the match if Liam Cooper hadn't got back and then last night there were a couple of times he passed he was passing across our D um without getting it all the way to Strauk and Swansea had at least one chance off that and a couple of times there were some sharp intakes of breath weren't there yeah there was a lot of that going on I was kind of and I was kind of wondering in the first half I was like if maybe because Ampadu's come from Chelsea and immediately come into our team and looked like yeah you can tell he's a Premier League quality player compared to everything but then I think there's something about a championship season that no matter how good you are because it's so long there will be bits where you kind of just go a little bit off and maybe you you have to kind of like that first bit where it's really easy then it stops being really easy and you have to um, up it and I was wondering if some things were kind of affecting him a little bit and then also for the so I'm going to um, disparage his beautiful assist it's actually my fault but that assist for Jorginho Rutter which was magnificent was his first touch amazing the vision on it Fantastic vision is the irony here because I was convinced it was Melier. And I don't know what was going on in my mind, but I saw the ball leave his foot and I saw exactly what had happened go to the Rutter <laughs> and it scored. And then I was like, that's a great pass by Melier. What, the, the one that was five yards to Ampadu in the first place? Yes. <laughs> no, that, I, that, that was the key pass, though, wasn't it? Yeah, so, so it's he, the key pass mm, to the assist. He got the a pre assist, yeah. but I was, I was thinking, oh, wow, Melier's got an assist. That's really good. And then I watched the replay. There's no such thing. And I was just, I don't know what happens to me sometimes. <laughs> your, eyes, your eyes and your brain um, not communicating. Melier did actually receive a villain nomination because someone put, does anyone else feel queasy when Melier rolls the ball about in the box? Yeah. He makes me feel strange as if something awful is about that, to happen. That could have come from my dad because he was saying exactly that last night. He's passing yeah. it. No, he's turned the other way and he's yeah. passing it. No, he's turned back. Why does he do that? And he does sometimes just roll it slightly under hits it and you go... <gasps> But um, he's, he's, good at it. he's better fun. at it than their keeper. Yeah. I like the Jeopardy mm. element of it. It's fun, yeah. you know you're alive, don't you? And I realise something as well. I think Melier sometimes gets criticised for things like that where he's doing what he, he's like, he's doing it right. We get nervous about it, but then it generally works. Um, and I was thinking that because he, um, he gets criticism for punching corners. Well, he punched one last night that he could have caught. And I was like, why didn't he just catch it? And then I realised the ball had landed at the feet of Dan James and we were off on a counter-attack. So I think maybe is it if we were to go and ask his goalkeeper coach is the idea don't catch a corner punch it and we counter straight away to get us on the move and so it's kind of like taking the risk that the punch might not be totally 100% powerful enough versus the reward of Dan James Somerville Rutter all sprinting forward um, to score a goal before the other team can get back so Mm -hmm. I think sometimes with Melier um, there's a bit of I mean if you want to have a go at him say like you should have stopped that Rotherham goal at his near post um, well there's a lot of love as well formal commendations I think definitely for um, Archie uh, Dan James gets a mention Ruter for his first goal at Ellen Road enjoyed the celebration as well a young man as we've said before is living his best life I feed off his joy it's like I get it like vicariously just seeing how happy he is makes me happy I like it more of that please 
Pirou as well gets a mention for his first goal, uh, for his goal, sorry, against his former club. Kamara as well for being great. So yeah, all good work by them. Some slightly more left field ones that off to the cap. Callus Corbin gets a mention for helping to get a point that made us look much better in the context of the whole weekend. That was the Rotherham game. Thanks to Matt for that. Uh, Phil and Michael mentions from uh, from Adam because uh, this is Michael Normanton, aka the Poundland Jason Statham. Um, who, I'll take it. It's fine. This is because you've done the modelling for the new merch, like for the the Christmas jumpers and the hats and whatnot. this shirt, in fact, yeah, and, and the retro shirt for breaking down the barriers that have prevented myself and generations of the bald middle aged men of average handsomeness from entering the notoriously picky modelling industry. <laughs> Short as well. Yeah. Let's not forget that we're both short men. It's all about yeah, breaking down barriers, accessibility. So well done, you gentlemen. Um, Swansea commentators get a mention, as you mentioned before, Michael. So who's having it? It's got to be Somerville, hasn't it? Yeah, I'd, I'd want to... I don't dislike. Ampadu's bl- bloody brilliant. It's a real problem, our midfield, because I feel like it would benefit from having Archie Gray in it, but then Ampadu and Kamara are so good. Um, I don't know. It's almost like everyone wants... Jed Spence in at right back because that will make us better but I don't know what we then do with Archie Gray and what a beautiful problem this is Let the boy for, Daniel, rest. for Daniel Farker to have yeah he can and then he can pick him out as his player of the game as well he can say well I, I, the, the, the best player today is someone who didn't play what a surprise but yeah Ampadu is great he's brilliant and that assist basically put a sock in my in any doubts I was having about him but he's, he's had a 95% week instead of 100% that's all I think you, the point you were making wasn't it whereas Somerville 101. Well done, Chris Sensu. It's got to be him, hasn't it? I think. Happy with that? Yes. Good. Fine. We'll wrap the show up there then. Um, thanks for joining us on this one. Another weekly roundup next week. More jury action. Thick and fast after uh, after Middlesbrough. We've got the match ball coming up. We'll be chatting to Phil before the end of the week. Check it all out on your feed. We'll see you soon. The Square Ball Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.